0: us who are tuning in or hearing this video later i'm joined with christy kaler my good friend and a leader in the sustainability space within the apparel industry um so christy thanks so much for spending some time with us on this uh morning it's morning here in california and the day after a big inauguration so thank you for making time for us
1: my pleasure
0: Great. great. Well, let's just dive in. I think um, we're going to have a, a fun time kind of talking about the things that you and I are both passionate about and a little a little bit about sort of the work that you're doing. Um, I know Christy Taylor, who is the CEO and founder of Four Days. Christy, I know you um, for a number of years now. And mm-hmm. um, your background, I think, in this space is, is really interesting because you combine a lot of different lenses and angles from the fashion industry perspective. You you cut your teeth inside of Gap Inc. And you worked work to build businesses inside Gap. And then you did a very interesting career shift and launched a luxury brand, really <laughs> focused on ethics and really building a sustainable and ethical supply chain for the luxury industry. That's how you and I first connected, which we'll talk a little bit about. And then in recent years, you have launched 4 Days, a company based mm-hmm. on circular economy models for all. So um, I guess my lead-in question to you is, um, how, tell, tell me a little bit about Christy Kaler and this arc that you've had within within your career and how, how you define that that thread.
1: Yeah, I think you know as you said I've I've been doing this for a while and every time I say oh, I've been in fashion for 15 years I'm like oh how did that happen No I and I I I have an engineering background, which is kind of an odd match for fashion. But for me, um, I also did an MBA in a design program. And I really love that the industry kind of plays in supply chain and linearity and technology, but has this like magical component to it, which is product and customer and the emotional connection to the things that we buy. And so uh, for me, I think of the, the very core, I've been entrepreneurial from the outset. As you mentioned, I got to launch and grow businesses for The Gap, have a tendency to question the status quo. And so when people are like, well, that's the way we do it. I'm like, like but why shouldn't we maybe think about doing it differently and I think that's been the theme throughout and so in my wonderful experience the gap I got to run cross-functional teams really launch and grow some pretty exciting businesses live in Japan for a year and I got to spend a lot of time in our supply chain and it was really at that point where you have that like classic experience where you like land in a major city drive two hours outside of the city come upon a fake city that's really there only to support production for like Gap. And Marks & Spencer and it's a 24 hour factory and you're just like, whoa, we're so disconnected to the way we make products and the decisions we're making on the business side these elements aren't being considered. And so when you have a business where you're selling a tremendous amount of markdown and having all of these returns, the cost structure is compressed, and it actually has a deep impact on people on the planet. And so for me, that was just a pivotal moment where I said, you know, I know how to make brand and I know how to make product. And I think in systems, like we actually have to improve the system. And so very fortunate to kind of move on into the more mission and impact oriented space ran Product Red for Gap, which is really the first of its kind, like the idea that you know, customers could vote with their dollars or do something more important with their purchase was new. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we really had to kind of craft a narrative around that um and for me we initiated a sourcing strategy in africa it got me very interested in supply chain innovation and the impact that could have on people um and that kind of segued into Mayette, which was that leap into luxury but really for me it was because fashion as a whole particularly at that time it's 2010 and we were light years away from where we were there but uh people thought like anything uh innovative sustainable um just kind of doing something new was automatically going to be really ugly and it was yeah. like oh that's cute. Are you a philanthropy? Like, are you going to sell in Whole Foods? And I was like, no, guys, we have to change that idea. And so that was the goal with my which was really let, let's elevate what purpose and impact can quote unquote look like and do it with a really novel supply chain and Work with artisans globally, and you know, instead of selling it Whole Foods, we sold to Neiman's and Sachs and Net and um, all those really fabulous brands. And I thought the business would be different when I went into that landscape. I just thought, you know, it it has to be more efficient than the mass market. It has to be more thoughtful, and we couldn't possibly have so many markdowns and returns. And it kind of was the same. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, guys, like the whole like I've seen it from every perspective now. The whole thing feels really broken. Um, and it just inspired me to start asking the questions, why? Like, why do we make too many things? Why do so, much, so many textiles end up in landfill? And the answer was kind of the business model. It was really like the business model is predicated on selling all of us more and more and more and more stuff. So um, that's kind of what really led me to four days. And I was actually thinking about it. I was like, it's actually your fault, Louis, that I'm doing four days. <laughs> i <I'm> like, you. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> because I got this wonderful experience with Fashion Positive on the Cradle to Cradle Initiative. And I learned about the circular economy. And it was at that moment that I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> there's a new way. We don't have to do it this way. Um, Absolutely. So,
0: yeah. Well, if I, can, if I can brag on you, I mean, I was thinking in preparation <laughs> for our talk about like, when did I officially really first meet you? Was it in New York in the, in the Mayette studio Or was it in Italy that day when you we all flew in and we met with the supplier? And but but what I from there, it was just like the fast friendship that built and built. And you know, as I was looking over, like we've intersected in so many committees from Ellen MacArthur Foundation, you mentioned Fashion Positive, Ellen MacArthur Foundation being focused on building the circular economy. I mean, we you and I have a lot of the same influences and could just spend, spend so much time kind of talking through how we see all this. But one of the things about you, if I can brag on you for a minute, is you're so inquisitive and you're so open. And from that first day when we were meeting with the supplier in Italy and talking through bringing the cradle to cradle methodology and thinking about chemistry and circularity and retooling in an industry that has a lot of pride and particularly in luxury in Italy on the way we've been doing this, like, what do you mean there's things to change? There's nothing to change. Like, we're we're very, you know, there's a lot of confidence and there's a lot of, and I, I just loved the way you built that you built that openness into that whole project and and i saw you kind of then take that inquisitive openness over to another uh endeavor with four days too yeah. um so yeah. yeah tell us about tell us about four days okay it's my fault that's great i will accept cool. that tell I'm me about you.
1: it <laughs> yeah well, and i think it was actually it's supplemented by another squad we were on together when we were doing the the global future council on consumerism and as i as i just became more familiar with the statistics around kind of landfill waste, energy consumption, water consumption in the fashion industry, and really, really honed in on the fact that we have a linear business model that's predicated on selling us more and more stuff. Different people brand it different ways. I always simplify by saying it's produce, purchase, pollute. And that's the customer experience. It's like make us stuff, sell us stuff, and we throw it out. And I was like, well, that can't go on for forever. So, so we have to actually create something more circular. And I think yeah. that um, specifically when we were doing the World Economic Forum kind of work, what I realized is all these huge multinational companies were like, yeah, sustainability has to be central to strategy. It can no longer be a cost center. And then no one had solutions. And everybody's like. Now what do we do? And you know, I looked at our own industry, and I thought also coupled with the fact that customers' relationship to ownership has actually changed very dramatically in the last five years. We don't know. We no longer need to own things for forever. Yeah. It's so key, right? Because it's like, and in some cases, actually owning it for forever is a giant burden. And, you know, you see it obviously in like digitized products, like highly durable goods, we can share and rent and do whatever. But in fashion, you know, you have a small sliver that's rentable, slightly larger sliver that's resellable. But then this giant swath of product that really doesn't have a solution. It's a $1.5 trillion industry. I was like, well, what are we gonna do about? This? that stuff. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are working on supply chain side and materials innovation, but really the mechanism to get it back and to relate give customers a way to relate to their products differently. Like I had my own experience where I was moving from Manhattan to Brooklyn and I purged everything and being a very mindful consumer, I sold to the real real and Buffalo Exchange and mm-hmm. had like my tiny pile of like actually viable donations and I was still left with this giant pile of crap and it was pit-stained t-shirts and single socks and stretched out pajamas. Like, why do I own this stuff? There's no residual value. It piles up in my house. And what are we gonna do with it? And so that was really kind of the defining moment where I was like, you know, if we could create a system that was regenerative, that truly engaged customers, in a different behavior, a one around circularity, but one that made it easy, incentivized the right behavior, um, built around a supply chain that could reabsorb and designed for kind of circularity. It'd be really an exciting move in the right direction. So
0: yeah,
1: it didn't exist. what yeah. <laughs> so, else to build it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think what th- there's some two thoughts that I have. One, one is, and by the way, I'm wearing my for days shirt. So it's so just <laughs> for those listening, it's yeah. a subscription model. Like the 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 apparel that you're talking about, we have it's almost like commodity apparel, right? It's like yeah. socks, t-shirts, underwear, You know, there are things that just, where you're not gonna resell it, but it has value because it's materials that need to be recollected okay. instead out of a landfill. And there's no system in place that's at a large scale to really kind of create that material flow for that which we might not, I might not put a whole personal story on it. Now this, I do because it's four days, so I have a personal story related to it, yeah. but a yeah. lot of basic v-neck, T-shirts or whatever that I have, they're just, you know, and when they get older, stretched out, or they get a little yellow or whatever, you know, it's like, man, what do you do with them now? And because those of us that are so rooted in sustainability, like hold on to things way too long, we can also feel like, don't feel guilty, put it back in the envelope, give it back for days, and they're going to make sure these fibers end up back into another product, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think what's interesting, too, about the model we've built, which we've really kind of encapsulated in this idea of the swap. So swap out your old clothes for new clothes. We've given a financial incentive to do that. So it's actually not a subscription in the sense that you have to subscribe mm. to a payment. The customers right. and yeah. the, yeah. the drivers. Yeah. Seat. But that was a really critical learning because when we launched, we actually thought we were going to be a subscription. And we said, oh, isn't that what everybody wants? And what we found is customers came back to us and said, no, we don't. We don't want that because subscription inspires me to over." use the system and you are the most zero waste sustainable company we've ever come across that's a violation of values and i was like well deal breaker then we have to do something different what should we do and we really sat and listened to customers and did a lot of focus groups and used the existing customers we had to design this swap system whereby all of your items that you ever purchase through us come with a future credit and you know that from the outset so essentially we've been able to turn your entire closet that you buy through us today, but eventually your entire closet into currency in the future. And that is very powerful as an incentive. So then as soon as it wears out, we've made a very easy mechanism for you to swap it out when you go to purchase something new. And so it's, it's that ease and that accessibility that was really important.
0: Yeah. It's what, you know, we, we talk a lot about sort of the, what percentage of the materials actually end up in on retail shelf, how much of that actually ends up in a closet and then how much is actually worn and it's this similar sort of thirty percent gets lost along the value chain at every step and the same as food food and agriculture you know and the food movement we talk about similar numbers around you know what makes it off the farm what makes it into the yes. shipping the shelf and the closet and most of us are only wearing you know this narrow margin of the closet we can see or what's in the front of the drawer right and so what you're also Kind of leaning into is this ability to also kind of have more of an inventory relationship right and then I think there are other systems out there that are looking at how do you connect um, citizens not consumers but citizens right. to uh, this larger sort of conversation of what um, what's out there right
1: I think that's right I think the other piece of it that's kind of interesting about like durability and use because we have this almost like insurance policy built into everything that you purchase through us because you can swap it out for value. People really live in their clothes. Like when you talk about that use kind of statistic, what we find is the stuff that comes back to us is pretty worn. Like we yeah. do a measure on it and say okay, like we don't have a super precise measure, but we do have data on when it goes out and when it comes back. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting, right? So like we start to get in con- can create a picture of the life cycle of a closet but we also judge it when it comes back right like, did this person wear it a lot could we resell it like we have this like rating system yeah. and it can't couldn't be resold it's like very worn
0: so 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 christy are you building an apparel brand or are you building a data company
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're actually building a tech company um, okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. I laugh because we've had these conversations had about these how conversations. important this data is. right? Yeah.
1: The data, the whole technology application is critical. Like how we get the customer to engage in this behavior and, and think about their closet and their clothing differently. We had to build a brand because this truly didn't exist. And I always I was talking to somebody yesterday and they're like, you basically built five businesses in one. I'm like, I know I'm tired. No, I'm kidding. But it's, it's a lot of components to get this to work in unison. And so I just felt like it was going to take a very long time for the industry to do it if I relied on all the other players. And so we said, you know, it's about great product, making product with integrity, understanding and having it be traceable, sustainable materials and supply chain, but really building this mechanism from a technology perspective to enable the customer to do this and then to collect the information to inform what we do next. So that that beginning and end of life data point is very unique to our system, which is exciting as you think about scale. I've always yep. built this through the lens of like, how do we how do we scale circular economy behavior? Um, and that's why we did it with t-shirts. It's an accessible, affordable product. It applies to a lot of people's lives. It's yep. not something like you know a very small segment. Um, but you could scale it up, scale it down, price point wise. Like it it all works. So
0: yeah, and I think I think what's interesting about sort of the the tech side, data side of what you're doing is it becomes a model that's replicable, right? And so you've got something that you can teach, something you can. You can take out you know to larger than beyond just the the four days product if that's such yeah. a thing that you're interested in, I mean, I think it's it's there's great learning for the industry in this,
1: yeah, I mean it's why we exist you know we we say our mission is to transform commerce into a circular economy, no big deal, so you know it's it's really not just about making great product. we do that anyway, but we have to do that. It's table stakes um it's really it is about this kind of transformative capacity for what we've built and the model that we've built,
0: yeah. Cool. So one of the, I was having a conversation with um, someone this year about when the pandemic hit. When it was and and it was kind of clear that everything we've been leaning into and building, whether it's distance learning, distance uh, working, um, technology tools, digital platforms for education, uh, circular economy, sustainability—you know, like everything we've been building now—all seems more ready to scale, right? And it was almost like, whoa, the pandemic—the silver lining of the pandemic was a couple of things, one reconnection to values, which I want to talk about with you too. but secondly was, oh, maybe maybe it's now time to scale some of the solutions of, that are greater efficiencies that we that we were ready to scale for. How have you seen that play out for you in this business and your life, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you, uh, having been on this journey as you have for longer than most, um, I think to see the momentum build, immediately post-pandemic, it feels palpable. Like you're just like, everybody actually is talking about this. Like to hear even big, you know, huge corporate CEOs say circular economy, or I think even Anna Wintour mentioned it recently in a podcast and you're like, wait, what? Um, okay. So it's happening. I think it's driven by customer demand. And that's the most exciting part to me, which is I think like the general population has reevaluated evaluated values. They feel empowered to kind of speak to them and vote with them, and that will move mountains if the dollar shifts its priority, um, meaning the the customer dollar. So for me, that's just incredibly exciting, and I think um, opens up the door for us really as the leader in this to have a more meaningful conversation with the industry and with our customers. We've been kind of like educating along the way, and now we have a lot more horsepower um, working in the same direction. So we've been able to grow the business. People are participating in the program. When you build something like this, you're like, well, oh, people do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like it's kind of a guess on consumer behavior and and behavior is hard to kind of predict and and they're doing it. They're participating. Yeah. Like we have an incredible take back program that is literally our number one selling SKU on a daily basis. And so it's just really exciting to see the potential here, the potential to, to scale this with variety, to scale this through partnership. Um, I'm just really optimistic about that. I think for us, you know, you, you talked to, to values and People's priorities and values, and I think that's where this kind of business starts to align really squarely. Um, But we've also built it through the sense of value. You know, I think those two have to kind of coexist. It's like I always say, values and value. If the two can coexist and then drive better profitability, win, win, win. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, I think the the two uh, the two terms directly related often because it really is about demonstrating that values in the apparel sector is actually creates greater value, right? And so um, how do you see, um, how do you see, I guess this is sort of a better question, but do you believe that whether it's this pandemic or the tipping point of climate change or social justice, do you see that there's an increased interest in value in this values, uh, personal values related to your apparel that's occurring in this industry?
1: Absolutely. I mean, without a doubt. I think uh, Google, a, a representative from Google was on a call with me and said that the search frequency of sustainable fashion doubled in yeah. like June. So it's it's definitely, you know, it's on the top of mind, on the tongue, on the, the yeah. headlines. And so I think for absolutely. Without a doubt,
0: um, the the know. whole upcycling trending on TikTok alone is like demonstrating that people are actually reengaging with this concept of upcycling oh. product materials fabrics. It's incredible.
1: Have our top TikToks? We do these like DIYs, and, like how to refresh your T-shirt with a new pocket, or like we did yeah. these halves shirts that were really fun, and it's it's like gangbusters. And again, that yeah. and like cleaning out your crap. Like I kind of think it's t- we've been sitting in our homes. We look around and we're like, oh, oh. Did I really need all this stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's got to be a different way. So, yeah, it's yeah. magnified
0: for sure. And we're wearing a lot more cotton t shirts. Um, <laughs> probably. So, yeah. Yeah. Sitting around yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. Not wearing our suits as much. Yeah. The we,
1: category we might has. Miss that too. Yeah. <laughs> Good.
0: Well, let me let me turn it a little bit to um, the personal and just ask. You know, while we're on the topic of values, you have become a mother in the last few years, and Isla is this wonderful light in your life. How has that impacted? I mean, you were already in the sustainability journey, but how has being a mother, being a parent, impacted this for you? Oh,
1: you know, it's really actually been a personal impact. I think. Um, Prior to Isla, it was very much about like, go, 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 do, 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 do. And it was just get it done almost at any cost. And obviously not because I've always been mindful. So it's not at any cost. But I think having a child, you start to kind of have to live in the present and and really like feel and be in the moment. And that's actually shifted the way I work. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you plan and you use your brain for all of those things, but you actually kind of have to live in like, it's going to sound a little bit you know, like your heart center mm-hmm. is much more alive. And I think for me, um, you know, and not in an academic way where I've become more mindful of materials because I was already there. Like I was always thinking about materials and environments and food. Um, but just connecting that to kind of, instead of it just being an intellectual exercise, being like, you know, it's a, it's a feeling exercise as well. It makes you feel healthy and and well and doing good for the planet and doing good for the world and just being present and enjoying it all. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, it's it it, it you know for me has added a whole new. I have now seven, almost seven year old and three year old, and it's just it adds a whole new layer. And it and it makes I think us interpret what our actions are and what we're doing to then how do you relate that to them because they're watching everything we do, right? And so it's like, am I walking my own talk? You know, like. Yeah. In terms of sustainability, because yeah. a lot of us, I mean, I think, you know, we we believe in it, but then are we actually translating our actions oftentimes? So I think there's a and with social justice and Black Lives Matters, so there was so much more of like, am I walking my talk for my children to right. witness or, you know,
1: yeah. a lot and of how that- you an environment? Really, that does support your values and, yeah. and at every kind of decision point. You know, I think that is exactly right. Like and some of that is your relationship to nature. Like we've, again, been on this like fast path very kind of city life. And I think we've all taken a step back and been like, wait, the beach, hiking, trees, like just in, again, every day, you know, experiencing yeah. community, experiencing the things right around you. Right. Being very and important.
0: A I remembering of remember what it is that we are protecting too and what's at stake is, the, you know, this beautiful it's slowing down. And it's given so much of us an opportunity to get it back out into nature and recognize. Yeah. Yeah, can I say? Yeah. So you you clearly inspire me. You've been someone that I've just every time I talk to you, I just I leave the conversation more energized and energetic than before. That and uh, and I and uh, thank you. Well, then. So my question is, who inspires you, and what what are you what what's inspiring you this year and right now? Like, who, what, podcast, books, people?
1: You know, I I I have such a hard time ever nailing down super specific people books and things because I think it's a collection I am so inspired by youth I just find the energy of of youth to be so powerful and like such a source and I find such optimism in it Um, the voices the creativity the commitment the thoughtfulness I'm just that always kind of really moves me and if it's in service to that and promoting and encouraging a better future for everyone who's so ready and eager and keen to create something better for us all like let's enable that how do we enable that (laughs) let's build that so yeah
0: i'm right there with you i mean it is for me it's the it's the same and i i recently had a conversation with a brand representative who had done tons of market research. This is a very huge uh, footwear company who had done uh, athletic and who had done tons of market research and said, yeah. this is one of the first times in history where instead of a generation being sort of activated and then everyone influenced behind them, like the 60s, or we're seeing yeah. that a younger generation is actually influencing us and mentorship is going both ways. Which yeah. i hundred percent see, you know we're working on a docu series, generation F, about the future of fashion, and we're listening to youth we're I'm yeah. knee deep in editing with the team this week, and it's like, wow, I mean it's 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 powerful yeah. because because there's um there's something different which is the urgency of we don't have a choice but to make this the future right yeah.
1: that's true, yeah, that yeah. is true, but I think that's also coupled with there are always choices and some people have chosen not to. And so it's really, it's really wonderful um, to see all of that moving in such a constructive, positive, energizing dynamic. I just love it all.
0: I agree. I agree. All right. Well, we could go for uh, another hour easily. And, (laughs) uh, and I, and I love this. Um, I'll just end with like, is there any, you know, like, is there anything that's like what's coming next for you you want to share or just a call to action that you think that, in this moment, this time that you want to put out there for folks listening?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what's coming up next for us is is really thinking about how we grow this system and how we do that through partnership, how we do that through our own brand extension, but how we do that in collaboration with the industry, Um, really how we enable our community. Also, like we have just such a, passionate, like just passionate group of people um, giving them voices really bringing them into the equation as you can see like we designed for for that community um, and maintaining that kind of center of focus is really important for us we're launching new technology we're doing all sorts of things to kind of really scale this out and up um, so I think that's motivating exciting and it's like our little engines are going um you know call to action i think people have really stood up i actually just kind of want to hats off <laughs> you know we're always in this mode of what can we do next what can we do next like people are making good choices and making progress and i'm just very happy to see that so it's a little you know i don't think we stop and acknowledge often enough to say great keep keep going keep doing it yeah it's progress really yeah i
0: love it i love it i think that's i think that's the the word for what we're doing and what what many of us are really energized and activated with right now in our country and in the world. So, Mm -hmm. well, Christy Kaler, friend, entrepreneur, mentor, mother, (laughs) visionary. (laughs) There's so many ways to describe you. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for joining me for a chat today Um, and lots of of love and blessings for all you're working on.
1: Oh, likewise. So happy to be here.
0: Bye. Bye.